Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the discussion phase, our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, Brady. And I'm Matthew. And on today's episode, Matthew and I are going to be bringing up the question, is less more when it comes to our hobby of board gamings. Then we're going to do a little board game head to head to finish out the episode. So as always, stay tuned and buckle up. Alrighty, Matthew. So I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm back on a, at least a little bit of a regular schedule. I know we haven't. We're recording this podcast before we go and do our weekly Monday night Gloomhaven session, yeah. which we so haven't we're cramming done. a little bit. Yeah, but. we haven't done it in the past couple of weeks just because uh, we took a break last week coming back from the cabin trip. Everyone just needed yeah. a night to decompress, and then the week before. Yeah, this is like the first weekend that I have not been out of town in like three or four weeks. Um, So so finally get back in the swing of things. Yep. How was your Halloween? Um, Pretty basic. Didn't do anything. Board game night. Yeah. Did you dress up as anything? No, no, I didn't. I saw saw a picture where you dressed up as, uh, (laughs) uh, what is it? It It's not Villager. It's from Me Crossing. Is it Villager from Me Crossing? It's from Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Who are you? I don't play um, yeah, those so games. So Tara and I dressed up as villagers. It was, um, in theory, it was going to be this cute idea. In reality, I looked like a um, some sort of cross between a serial killer and a pedophile um, because my <laughs> I had I you if had you, that if anybody knows that anything, creepy it, hair like yeah. like Ted Bundy or something. <laughs> yeah, so I was like the the villager that you would see, like the basic villager in Smash Brothers. And he has that like pointy triangle hair. So I tried to do that with my hair using a lot of product, which I don't normally use in my hair. And it kind of made me um, look, it just made everything look very greasy. Unco- yeah, yeah. You're, just a, you're a person that just seemed very uncomfortable to be around. Yeah. So Tara. <laughs> Weird vibes. Tara looked very cute and she had pink hair. Um, but I, yeah, I, I could have. Maybe God. There's there's some <laughs> there's someone in your picture that was like full on Wicked Witch of the West, and I had no idea who it was. Oh no no no, that was like a prop. It was oh, really I was like, man, it's a really we'll post, good costume. Yeah, maybe we'll <laughs> we'll we'll post some pictures of of the the family, um, maybe on our Instagram or something. It was kind of funny. There's yeah. this one great picture of Jacob holding his little baby it was a next football. to. Yeah, he was dressed up as a football. Um, their family was dressed up as sports ballers and uh, or sports fans, and but the baby was like right next to the wicked wicked the witch it, wicked witch of the west, and it's he just looks terrified and it's really funny. Yeah, well, Brady, have you seen the newest release for one of your most favorite IPs ever, Skyrim? I Skyrim have has officially released on GameFound, um, and it. Have you you haven't looked at it wait, yet? Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about the tenth well, anniversary edition? No, the board game Skyrim, oh, okay. the board game. No, no, no. no. I, just, this I is saw, a board gaming podcast. I saw the tenth anniversary edition of Skyrim, which is like the fifth or sixth edition of Skyrim that is coming out, and they're just it is just blowing me away that they just make th- a new they, one. They can get away with re-releasing the same game. With like a little sprinkling of extra content on it, and ch- they're like, "Ah, oh, these suckers will buy anything Skyrim. Let's just put the same game out there, charge sixty bucks, and there you go." Yeah. So. 
Well, now you have a board game. Um, is it the board a, game? Because I saw that there was a miniatures game now, but this is a no, board it's, game? No, it's, it's not an miniatures game. It kind of looks like a game that it, it makes me very reminiscent of The Witcher old world kind of board okay. game where you're playing these characters. You have your character board. You're going around completing quests, leveling up your character. And this it's, is on GameFound? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's not It's not a uh, uh, RPG game. It's a board game. Like you're moving around the board, trying like to complete objectives or not. I haven't looked super deep into it. I just kind of glanced at it. It kind of made me think of, I don't know how successful it's going to be because it kind of looked kind of doing some of the stuff that like Witcher is doing because yeah. you have your Well, that's board. like an ancient rivalry anyways. Everyone kind of fights over whether or not Skyrim the Witcher or Witcher. Skyrim is like the So we're going to have to see which, which is the ultimate board game. Yeah. Um, but I thought you'd be all over the sauce. Well, yeah, I, again, I just, you guys are the hype people. I stay away yeah. from Kickstarter and GameFound and all of that stuff for the most part. Yeah. I have backed the new Dice Throne, Marvel Dice Throne. Though. Oh yeah. I mean, well, you, I, I actually was genuinely surprised at like the not um, like main character superheroes that are. And I think there was like Spider Man, Miles was, Morales, Spider Man. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and even it, it was Miles Morales instead of like you know Peter Parker, Spider Man. Yeah. Um, you have Wanda Maximoff as as Scarlet Witch. There's um, Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Doctor Stephen Strange. That's the one that I wanted the most. Uh, but then you also have Loki in there. You have... Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, good on them for, like, including... You have Thor. Typical. Um, I was surprised. I really thought they were going to have the Hulk in there, uh, but they don't. Yeah. They have Black Panther. Um, so they have a... But talk about expansion possibilities. I mean... Oh, yeah, there's going to be a ton of stuff. So there's, now there's just going to be... Dice Throne season like six. Yeah. Of Speaking of Dice Throne, have you in, a, in a kind of a comparable kind of combat two player game? Have you did you ever play Unmatched? Um, I did play Unmatched and it was pretty good. What do you remember of it? Do you, did you um, enjoy it? Because I played it again the other night, um, and it, it was it's a quick, fun. It kind of gives me that it's a short two player kind of skirmish game, not super heavy. It's like it's not like these other kind of um, I think Exceed and some of these other kind of combat card systems and stuff, but you don't have to feel like you know your opponent's deck in and out to be competitive in the game. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, like, pretty good. Um, I Not good enough to where, like, I bought it myself, and mainly because what irks me is they have so many unique characters um, in that sort of universe or whatever, but the Jurassic Park one is just Jurassic Park. So it's the Velociraptors, which are awesome, and then it's like... I can't remember what the guy's name is, but basically the trapper guy who, who, who in the movie, he goes, mm -hmm. you know, clever girl, that guy. And that was just so boring to me. I was like, just give me Velociraptors versus something else awesome. Because yeah. the other ones pit together these like... Um, Unique. So one like is... Beowulf versus, versus Red Riding Hood. Like those two are awesome. They're not from the same universe. And I don't know. Yeah. The, and the, the one Jurassic I really Park like is the Cobble and Fog. It has Sherlock Holmes and Watson as a character... It has the Invisible Man. It has Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So it's a cool mechanic. Yeah, so I played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You that switch cool. your character's yeah, yeah. form. It has uh, Dracula. They also recently released uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is an IP I love. <laughs> uh, and so it's got all those characters in it. And there's all there's one from different legends. The thing is, I was looking at upcoming releases for characters, and there's going to be more um, Jurassic Park IP. Somehow or whatever, they just got a hold of the license for the IP. So there's going to be more of that. But I messaged John. He was interested what, is in it. Is there going to be T-Rexes or something? I, mean, I think so. T-Rex and, and some of the, uh, the other main characters from uh, Jurassic Park. Which, it's funny that they have uh, to get the Jurassic Park 
license to put out a t-rex well no no but these are the like specific names of the main like human characters oh, in okay. jurassic park uh which is kind of silly because why don't you just play a raptor the yeah, two-player yeah. game if you want to do that give me other like cool unique yeah, characters that's what I'm saying. like one they're going to be doing one is going to be um um william shakespeare and um thomas not um Benjamin Franklin or something like that. Some like weird yeah. kind of characters that you wouldn't think would be fighting in a game. Yeah, yeah. But and I think as, as passionate super smash brothers players, we love pitting like these random characters, even the new like Nickelodeon all-star smash is hilarious. When you get to like fight with Aang versus SpongeBob or whatever, it just like bringing you those it? worlds together. I haven't played it. I've it watched just looks a lot like of such a ripoff. I just I, I don't know yeah, if I can bring myself. But it looks to play hilarious. It. Uh, yeah. Little Z, who I love, but it, he he has a few. Yeah, uh, but it's a it's a quick on. game. Like you can play a game in twenty minutes. Like even if we had four of us, like hey, we can put in sixty minutes. We can have like. Can you play f- like a four player game? You can play three. You can play a four player game. Is two v two. Oh, for it. Um, but like hey, let's you know play a bunch of different games of it. Do a little tournament with it. Um. But I think I'm going to buy a couple sets of it just to play I'm, around with I'm it. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else we've kickstarted uh, recently. I, I did kickstart uh, Lords of Ragnarok. I'm just patiently waiting for my kickstarters to get in. Like part of the reason why I haven't kickstarted or haven't even like like been excited to look at any kickstarters is because my kickstarter games that i backed like two or three years ago still have not come in and it's like it's like i've lost faith that it actually still exists out there and i won't i can't believe in in it anymore until something shows up on my doorstep like it's just it's just this theoretical thing out there right now yeah you have the you've bought you've purchased the thought of a board yes, game. The thought of a board game. And how and much did that there, thought cost it's, you? It's slowly dwindling and dwindling. It's like a little. It's going to be a memory. It's like a little ember right now. It's until something shows up. I mean, has me they, have they released any updates for any improvement for these shipping containers uh, and the issues? I don't know. I kind of i I do get updates every now and then, but I, I think I mentioned on the podcast, it's just updates on why we're not hitting our goals and why it's going to be delayed another three and a half months and all that stuff. So I just kind of get tired of listening to him. But I did something that did show up is Marco Polo one or voyages of Marco Polo. So I am excited to pit these two together um, or against each other. Cause you have the second one. I'm a pretty big fan of it. And I've heard um, from you and from some other reviewers um, that the first one is uh, tighter, but I've also heard that it's, that it's better. Really? Um, See, I mean, I, and it is higher ranked on BGG. Well, I think it's, they're very similar. They, I think they've just reworked it, at least from my, what I've looked at the first one and other reviews is just, there's just so many things that are just painful for the sake of being painful to try to eke out like movement in the first game of Voyages of Marco Polo. You're just looking at it. It's very expensive, very hard to do. Um, the market, I think too, is the same all the time. And so they've, eased up the quality of life enjoyment for the game Move, movements a lot easier they have rotating markets um no i want to be punished you want to be punished i want it to i want it to be well this is i mean brutal. i mean simone luciani was also part of lorenzo uh el magnifico so yes. he may punish you and for that as well grand austria hotel which we yeah. got in another play of yeah so i um kick-started the new let's walk the let's waltz uh, all in deluxe edition 
for a Grand Austria Hotel. Um, but before throwing in all the modules for the expansion content, which I'm really hyped for because I've um, seen where some reviewers are saying it takes the game from good to great, but it also puts it into like a meteor Euro that stands besides or even better in some yeah. people's opinion than like Lorenzo. We played, we played just two player and it was like lightning fast. I think we were done in like 45 minutes or something yeah, like that. It was blazing fast. And that's where most of the people like to play it as two and three player games yeah. um, for, um, for Grand Austria Hotel. But you've played it once before, but it had been well over a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, but now that you played it again for the second time, and you know, obviously playing some more games by the designers there, Daniel Tassini and Simone Luciani, uh, I definitely noticed a lot of their design. Um, not, um, I take that back. It was uh, not uh, Tassini. Uh, Virginio Gigli is how you pronounce his name, I believe. Something like that. <laughs> You're talking um, to the wrong guy for this. Yeah, but I, I noticed a lot of their design mechanics, a lot of other games, uh, so it's really easy to pick up on, uh, but it's definitely different. Uh, but what were your some of your thoughts on it? Because I, I love the game. Um, it still hasn't quite, like, um, like, sent me over the moon. I remember the first time we played Lorenzo, I was like, this is incredible. And the same thing with uh, Mar the whatever Marco Polo 2. Um, I was like, wow, this is great with, with grand Austria. I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know what the word is, but like fiddliness or willy nilliness. There's just so many, I feel like there's almost more bonus actions than there are, um, you know, selected actions or like actions that you have to do on your turn. And so to me that, that takes away from the tension of that action. Cause I'm like, oh, well, if I don't get the action I want, I can just, you know, do whatever I want yeah. as bonus actions. And so to me, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping the, I think that's definitely true. Cause you're, you're one, you know, it's a dice selection when the dice, you know, how many dice are associated with those actions determine the strength of that action. But there's a lot of auxiliary things Finagling. like you mentioned that you can do around it. I, to yeah. me, it kind of gives me opportunity to be creative with how I get to my goal, I guess. It, Cause the thing is, if it was super stringent on the, that action itself, like we experienced in that game is sometimes the dice rolls can be very different. So you roll all the dice. I don't know if there's 12, 15 dice and there's six actions that those dice are associated with based on the number. Um, and so there's sometimes that there were no dice for a particular action. Right. Yeah. But there is other ways you can get around it. A little more flexibility, I guess yeah, is yeah. one I mean, reason they have there's that. Definitely a, there definitely has to be a balance between there. And I think, um, you know, like the, there can be, no bonus actions or, you know, I hate it in a game or with, um, what, uh, Marco Polo two, if there weren't any bonus actions where you could like, you know, purchase a die for two or three camels or whatever it is, I like, that would be a lot more painful, but, yeah. um, I feel like in, in grand Austria, it's just like, there's almost more emphasis on the bonus actions than there are on. Yeah. Because you can get actions. your assistance or your staff cards. Um, and that can create a little separate engine that you have going. Yeah. Yeah on beside and so yeah and so it just depends on whether or not you like that because like you're right in marco polo like we roll all of, all of our dice at the beginning and then that can determine how we take actions but if you didn't have those little actions where you could turn in any die for this one resource or something like that you could just get hosed yeah, yeah. Uh, by bad dice roll so you have to have some little bit of leniency if you do have a mechanic to where a lot of actions are dependent on the set of dice that are rolled at the beginning yeah, so Boy. I am open to more with it to see what. Well, I definitely before making a final, yeah, is is with the modules. Um, I don't know if it's gonna. I think it may even add more to the 
creative side options that you get to do. I think it may probably leans into that more. I haven't played it, so I can't tell, yeah. uh, say for certain. And then lastly, before we get into our main topic, the um, the thing that I don't know if I'm ready for more of is more Kanban. You I've played it three times recently. now. Yeah, so I you may have a different opinion. I, I played it for the first time the other night. And, oh, did you play it at the game night? At your game night? Mm-mm. But no. I played it three times. We haven't done an official review. So Kanban um, is one of the games by Vital Lacerda. And, you know, I agree with you, Brady. Like, people, I think, overhype his games a little too much. Like, if you haven't played Lacerda, are you really a gamer or yeah, something yeah. like that? I think that's a little overblown. Um, but his games are touted as being very strong thematic integration with mechanics. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things where people say, you know, find a theme that you like and, you know, you probably like the game. And so of all his games, the only one that really appealed to me theme wise was Kanban AV, where essentially we're working in a factory, creating and producing and upgrading uh, electrical vehicles. Um, and I absolutely adore it. I, um, I'm curious to see some of your, as now that you've kind of thought about it, some of your critiques for it. Um, but the main concept is it's a worker placement. Uh, game. Uh, whenever you go to worker actions, you have action points that you can spend to different stations. Uh, but the main concept is kind of got the same thoughts as if you're playing Tricarion or Viticulture, you're trying to get one thing to turn into something else to try to get to an end objective. Um, so the four main kind of worker placement actions, you get plans for cars. Uh, the plans are for your six different cars in the game and the six different parts that you can upgrade cars. So you get these little plan tiles that are one of the cars in the game. And what you're going to do with that as an end goal, you're either going to take that plan and be able to gain a car into your garage, which is going to be worth victory points at the end of the game, or you can turn that tile in and do a specific upgrade to that car, which means those cars in the future will be worth more points. And so I think we're a very fine balance. I don't think the game is as mechanically complicated. I think it's complexities and strategy and how you get the engine going, uh, because with the same tile, which is the plan, you can't both get a car and upgrade at the same time. So it's a fine balance of, do I just get cars early and then upgrade them to make them more valuable later? Or do I spend time upgrading the cars and then get other tiles so I can get the cars back? Um, Because once you get the plan, you're going to need to go get car parts. And so there's a section on the board where you go get selected resources. And with those resources, you either turn them into the factory to produce cars, which can be claimed, or you can take those resources and spend them to upgrade specific cars to be worth more points. Um, and so knowing when to do what, when, because it's not always, you know what, I just need to go get my cars now. Um, the last game we played, Jacob and I had two different strategies. He went and got all of his cars early, filled up his garages. I spent a lot of time early upgrading the cars first. Um, Cause you do get a little bit more bonuses if you are the one who actually upgrades the car because you get to keep the tile, flip it over, and shows that you have researched this upgrade for a car. And if you attach it to the car in your garage, it's worth more points. And so I don't think the mechanics, at least for me, because uh, I know one of your complaints was the complexity to fun ratio just wasn't there for you. Uh, to me, the complexity wasn't in remembering the rules. Obviously, I've played it for three times now. The complexity is like, how do I get this engine to move efficiently? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and part of this is that I, and what, this is going to be part of our discussion today, but I am just, um, I guess, like, narrowing in on what, on the, like, weight of games that I like, and I think that one is um, above the weight that I like. And um, Was the weight in rules, or was the weight in strategic complexity? 
It's the way in rules. I think okay, you thought it was rules. There's a lot of just small little things um, in the game. So like when you open up the board for like first thing, it's extremely overwhelming. There's about 50 different tracks that you have to keep up with. Um, so that's a little of an over, little bit of an over exaggeration, but there's probably 20. Well, they're least. not tracks as much as they are reminders for stuff. Yeah. Well, they're they, not, but visually they look like tracks. They like look it, like, like tracks. It, it's something that's, you know, there's a piece on it moving, you know, on it, whether it's like the round tracker or the whatever, but there's like a million of them. Yeah. Cause there, there's, there's different scoring round trackers. There is a, there is a section where we keep up with turn priority as you advance yeah. up. Um, there's also a kind of a, a number system from zero to 10 that you like store banked hours, which is kind of like an auxiliary resource. Yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot of that going on. Um, also the, for whatever reason, the, the car tiles were confusing me. And that was something that Jacob and I had been playing wrong the entire game. Um, I, I was just confused on how you, you can trade them in for cars or trade them in for upgrades, how that exchange worked. Cause Jacob and I were like paying extra resources the whole time for the thing we were doing. Um, that part was just kind of confusing. And so I think this is a taste thing. If people are out there and they love Lacerda and they love like games like on Mars, um, more power to you. I think you would love Kanban. But for me, I think those are just a bit higher than I'm wanting to play. It, I think they're, like yeah, what I said the uh, the complexity to fun ratio just isn't there. They're just not. I wouldn't call them elegant games, even though they look very elegant. Yeah, and I guess to me that's where the game sings is because I feel like it's it's one of those games to where every action is kind of directly and indirectly associated to other actions you're taking, um, and so it's not like some games you can you know I can ignore this and I'll do okay. I can focus on this part of the game because a lot of games will have like different scoring uh, opportunities and you can focus on doing different engines or different focuses to get points. This is a game to where if you're failing and not doing well in one area, it affects all the other areas of the game uh, for efficiency wise. So if you're not doing well for your upgrades, it's going to affect your cars. If you're not doing well at getting the right cars produced, it's going to affect the cars that you need to get to match your upgrades. Um, if you're not going up on, so the one thing I love, and I don't know if there are any other games that at least I play that have it is each worker placement area has a certification track, which is essentially a proficiency track, um, that you can spend some of your action points to move up. Um, there's not like a bonuses that you get every single time you move it. The reason why you want to move up these tracks is because there is a manager in the game. Her name is Sandra. Oh gosh. Yeah. And this I think is this like, is phenomenal. I, um, it gave me anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it literally is a manager that like comes along and evaluates you in yeah. certain areas. So she stops at each of the, uh, one, two, three, four, five kind of workstations in the factory. And she moves along the worker placement track from top to bottom, stopping at each track. And so you can actually manipulate where she stops because if there's nowhere for her to put her meeple, then she'll skip a space. But she'll also block people from putting their workers there. So it adds tension to worker placement, but also it, it adds tension to where should I go? Uh, because what she looks at is first, who is least certified or least proficient in this section of the factory? So let's say it is the parts department where we're getting the parts and so let's say, Brady, um, you are the least proficient on the proficiency track. So I'm going to evaluate you. 
uh, in each department if you have two or less of that given type. So if you have two or less plans, two or less car parts, two or less cars in your garage, two or less upgrades, you get you get evaluated and you get penalized for not keeping up with your workflow. Um, so you lose one point, it just base, you always lose just one point. However, there is an auxiliary kind of resource in the game called hours, uh, which are like bonus action points you could spend at locations. Um, and so if you're, uh, the amount of bonus hours you have is zero and you're still low on the track, essentially what that means is that, you know what, you've been working overtime, quote unquote, but you haven't shown anything for it. And so you lose additional victory points for having less than five banked hours yeah, yeah. as a resource. And so it's, makes, it's so that, cool thematically. It's like you've spent all these bonus resources, but you haven't spent them efficiently to do good at your job. Yeah, and that's cool mechanically and makes sense. But like it, just what you explained right there, it's like, okay, so first you have to see where she moves. Then you have to check who's proficient in the thing. Then you have to check which thing she's punishing you on. Just three then things. Then you have to check the hour meter. And so it's like, even that, that's not even like nearly like a main mechanic in the game. It's like just to this total side thing yeah. that could probably be removed, but it's like four steps deep to even like check any of that stuff. And to yeah. me, that is just well, like, I guess for me is like, much. it all makes so much thematic sense that I don't feel like I have to try to remember it. Well, it's you, like, I, so do you have everything from the reference sheet memorized? Yeah, I can tell you I anything was, you want to know. I could. It's really, I, I was checking, having to check that reference sheet every single time she moved because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Well, that's where I'm supposed to help out, take some yeah, of the yeah, burden, yeah. carry the load. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because she'll always look to see, do you have two or less of any type of proficiency? Uh, like, do you have two or less plans, two or less car parts, two or less cars in your garage? Um, then your point is always one because you're not keeping up. And then have you essentially, have you been sitting on the clock? essentially the like the mechanic have you just been sitting on the clock oh. not doing anything and at it's your the job? corporations man this is this is oh. i don't know it, it, and when i first <laughs> thought about it it's like man is this mean sander just gonna be really punishing but sometimes in the game i would literally kind of evaluate should i go here to get this resource or to do this action or should i go here and make sure that i'm not last when sandra evaluates us um yeah. there's also some victory points if you end up hitting the top of your proficiency track i don't know it, it's just everything's is just sings so thematically and when sandra punishes you you can look over it's like man you've not been keeping up on your job uh it just feels like a simulation with really tight mechanics a that simulation is, of going to work yeah we, but well, it doesn't sound very fun but at a car factory <laughs> i can hear elon musk saying the doge father over this saying keep up the good work my keep, son yeah yeah except he's not saying keep up the good work he's saying you haven't been keeping up the good work what are you doing yeah we're docking your pay yeah all now, right so, i'm not on a i will say real quick i'm not on a lacerta hype train like i have no desire to play any of his other games yeah yeah this is just had, happened to be the one that appealed to me yeah and yeah. i happen to love it i know john and i played it the first time we both just stood up from the game we were like wow this is amazing i played it with jacob he loved it did even better on the second game and so everyone has loved it or at least highly enjoyed it except i guess for you and i said man brady if you just play one more time or you go Which home and think about because it jacob is usually the one who like likes these heavier games less maybe maybe i'm evolving as a gamer but obviously we're kind of disagreeing on this and that's going to lead us into our main topic for the day which is is less more or is more more when it comes to games so you are a big proponent of doing it big with the kickstarters getting yeah. 
all of the 40 million modules. Yeah, and just to make clear, we're not talking about, because obviously we here at the discussion phase, we love our upgrades, deluxe and find the experience in the immersion. Our focus is here is on content. Yes, more content. Expansions, modules. Variants. Variants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. All that stuff. So Brady has kind of uh, made a list here as the voice of the people, we'll call it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, and he's made a list here of games and where he prefers either the base version of the game or less of the expansions or modules. And then I will be evaluating that and giving my opinion on why the game may be better uh, with more in it. Because I feel like I tend to lean, and like when we talk about expansions the most, just in our normal play group, you tend to lean away from expansion content and I tend to lean tend to lean more into more expansion content. Yeah, yeah. And I think this has been I just been kind of noticing it more about myself uh I guess more lately that I'm like, "Oh man, like does this thing really add to the game or would it be better if we just cut it out?" And I think um one of the ones that just irk me to no end uh because I love the base game um, so we'll just get started here. Yep. With Let's start with the first one. Terraforming Mars. Okay. So this one, and I will say, I love the prelude. I think that adds a little bit more strategy to the game. It kind of gets your engine going Streamlines and, and that first, you into yeah. a direction. So when it comes to that, it's almost in the middle. But the thing that drives me nuts <laughs> that you guys just hark on me about is the colonies. Um, and there's a lot of other um, expansions to it that we don't have, yeah. right? The two that we don't have is the Venus Next, which adds a, a fourth parameter. It's not an in-game trigger, but it is a fourth parameter because a lot of times if you're playing a four or five player game, you can literally like blink your eyes, turn around. And it's like, what? That The heat track just got maxed out. What am I going to do with all these resources? Yeah, It gives you an opportunity to still... Like when you go up the parameter, you get victory points, but it doesn't trigger in game. But it gives you flexibility to, to score points. So here's where my real beef with colonies comes in. And that is, so if you don't know, so colonies adds this sort of extra few boards onto the game, um, very small boards. But you can essentially on your turn, is it as an action, as one action? Yeah, so yeah. what it, what they are is they represent the different moons in the solar system around the different planets and their trade colonies. So essentially it represents their small outposts around Mars and other planets with moons um, and they need resources. But they have something and they, that something goes up. So maybe it's heat or money or animals or whatever. Yeah. And you can trade what three things. You can trade heat or no, no energy. No, you can trade energy, money, and titanium. Titanium. So you can trade those things. So it's fantastic because a lot of times people are like, what do I do with my energy yeah, I produce? And I agree with that. But what what a lot of times happens, and we have since sort of house ruled this, at least. I think we've house ruled it to help, uh, help appease your mind. Yes. So what usually happens when we play colonies is that we will have a couple where it is titanium, heat, or energy, and money. And then... 90% of the time, the only time people use those is when the exchange rate is past what the trade rate is. And so I can go up to a colony and trade three energy for seven energy, which makes no thematic sense, but it gives you essentially free stuff. And yeah. so that's my big beef with it is that really, and to with very small number of exceptions, people only use it when it gives them free stuff 
And other than that, they don't really use it. Um, every now and then someone, somebody will. And when we do the house rule where I have said no, no, no more of this silly trading one, you know, cause it makes no some thematics. And so no more trading the same thing for more of the same thing. Um, and so when that happens, they almost never get used. In the last game we played with John, I think you used it one time and that was it. But those and, are only for the very select moves. There's a ton, there's a ton of them. Yes. And so, so you just take those out if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And so my view in this would be cut out colonies. We don't need to play with it. See, it adds ball, it adds bloat to the game. Nobody really uses them anyways. And it's just more complexity. I would think I, my viewpoint is colonies is almost getting to a point to where it is. I don't want to play without it. Uh, right there. Up that with is Prelude. shocking to me. I because just think you never use them. I use like, them every game. Every game we play with them, I use them. I'm using them as much as possible to where it's not a detriment to my to my engine. Um, but I, like the last game we played, no, I, I, I specifically remember you had one colony on the board, and then and John and I didn't. Well, I had one colony. trading move, but I was activating it every single round we played. So so the, how it works is that um, everyone has a ship, and as an action, you could send a ship to this moon and do a resource conversion with it. Um, only one person can, can do that to a moon. However, what one action you can do is build a colony on that moon, which is kind of a, you get a bonus to build a colony. But the thing is, after every time you trade with that colony, the demand or what they're willing to sell you goes down. However, if you have colonies on there, it, it creates like a stopping point. So instead of, you know, if this colony is willing to give me three animals, I trade with them, they go back down to zero animals. If I have a colony there, maybe it just goes da- back down to one. So it creates a higher floor for constant trading. Um, so building colonies is really beneficial. There's a lot of cards in the game that may allow you to build two colonies on the same one. Um, but I was going after a animal. I was doing kind of an animal strategy. And so I was hammering that trading a lot. Um, but I use them as much as possible because it's a great conversion, especially if you use heat. Uh, not heat, but uh, energy. Or maybe you have just a titanium overload because it's not what I mean. What else do you use energy for? Like not, so, I mean, other and that's than, and that's the main thing. Because main thing you use energy for is decreasing the production of energy to do some yeah, other yeah. card. So the energy actually you don't really do much with. It just converts over to heat, and so it's kind of a useless. But now you have it as an option um, to turn it into different resources, turn it into plants. You can turn it into water tiles. You can turn it into all these different because we have so many cards that you know floaters, animals. Um, um, bio life and all that kind of stuff that you can accumulate on cards. Yeah. All these colonies you can trade to help put more on there. Yeah, or so you I can turn. That's like the I think that's probably the most interesting thing is it helps you get more of those things on the board. Yeah. Um, but you could also but yeah. turn. You know, but you and could, I I think I did trade a couple of times to get like floaters yeah. or whatever. And a lot of times when you build a colony, it also bumps up a production too. When you trade, you get resources. When you put a colony down, a lot of times you'll get um, production bonuses, but also it's passive. So let's say I build a colony on a world that um, gives out extra cards and Brady goes to trade with it. Because I have a colony on there, I get a bonus passively of maybe some money or maybe an extra card. So it's a way of interacting. And I think it just gives more flexibility to have resource conversion um, because so many games you play, I've played without it and you just have these resources that are sitting there doing nothing. And I think that's kind of lame, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's enough about Terraform Mars. We'll, we'll play 
post something up on the gram, let you yeah. get, and this is like one a thing I always up, say that down on, on more or less on these. Yeah, this is games. one thing I always say, and Brady hates it when I say this about expansions, is that you do not, certain expansions you do, but some of these expansions modules you do not have to interact with to win. And Brady hates it when I say that. Because yeah. you've won a game of Terraforming Mars where we played colonies, and you never interacted with it, and you still won. I know, but that's why I'm like, if if I'm not... So don't I'm worry not about it. Use it then. Don't worry it about it. Let let nice. other people have fun, Brady. The other thing that killed me about this, and this is this is a little bit of a personal thing, but with the first time we played colonies, I selected <laughs> a corporation where it was like every time someone trades with the colony, I got a bonus. And guess what happened? There wasn't not a single person traded with the colony, and my corporation was essentially handicapped. The well, whole that was time. the first time we played, and people just weren't realizing the benefit of doing it early also too we played a three-player game and that was de- it would definitely be more beneficial in four to five so that was all right all so right skip it on to the next one that's terraforming mars so the next one and this one came at a crashing um collision over our board game weekend and that is how i fondly pronounce cyclades 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 or cyclades 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 is probably the actual. I call it cyclades, and I've I've kind of like stuck with that at this point. It's, it's so, pretty sure cyclades. But here's here's how I feel about uh, cyclades. Is I we played that first game, base game, base game with, I, with nothing. I don't think no, none of the expansions, and I loved it. It was awesome. I was like, this is the onk killer right here. It get, like the action points are like give you you know tension you need those certain actions you're willing to fight for them bid for them yeah there's a little bit of space in between you know the like people there's islands and whatnot and so you know i i can know at a certain point that so and so can't just waltz into my front door and destroy me on any given turn um and then we did what we normally do where we, we everyone loved the game so we went out and Bought everything for it. Jacob <laughs> I love did. the way you say that, which we do. It, it's yes, a disease. It is. Um, and so we're like, and I, and this is why I wanted to bring this topic up because we're like, we like it. There's more. <laughs> Drop that hundo dollars and go buy everything. Especially when it's out of print. Yes. And so, so we added <laughs> Titans true. to this game. And I think Titans is the main thing. Uh, or we'll just go over a couple things. So it adds Titans and it also adds a map that instead of it being like a bunch of separate islands that sort of separate all of the players, it sort of it makes this bigger island with bigger land regions on it. And so it kind of brings everybody to the middle of the map, um, takes away a lot of that separation. So now everyone's like right in each other's face for the most part. Um, and so what this does, I think, and I, I, I thought about this in our last game and we played a team game. Three versus three. Three versus three. And we also added in some modules to where there all was the like modules. relics were in there. The, I think we had everything except for the Hades uh, expansion. And I think there's a small little monument expansion too. Yes. But we and essentially so, had the main gods you're bidding for, but then all those gods had additional bonuses attached to them as yes. well and additional cards we drew. And we so, played that a little bit wrong. We were giving every god one of those. It's only supposed to be like the god at the very bottom. Yeah, yeah. So or that's Athena. my first issue is a lot of times with that. And this is probably a player problem, but we we really clogged up the game with rules checking like constantly. Yeah. And we were arguing about the rules at certain points because I think you will have to admit, I don't know if you read it, but that is a very poorly written rule book. Yeah. Uh, but 
Okay, so the so the we we clogged up a lot of the rules. We argued about the rules during certain yeah. situations. That took forever. Um, but then once we got through all of that, like just looking at the game, how it was intended to be played. So the Titans allow you to attack without the use of Ares. Ares. Yeah, because normally with Ares, you have to win him in a... Because the only way you can move in the base <clears throat> game is with Ares, which yes. is a gain units and then move. Titans allow you to do movement as an auxiliary action, paying a coin... Uh, for one movement with your Titan, and your Titans essentially can carry as many troops with them as they want. If you want to move that Titan a second time, it costs you two additionals. So now you spend three. A third time, three additionals. So now you spend six. Theoretically, I think you can keep moving them, spending increasing amounts yeah, yeah. of money per movement. And so what this does is, in, uh, initially you would think, okay, well, this makes the game go by faster. It makes it um, you know, a little more in your face, and it does certainly do that. But I think what I found is that it takes away all of the beautiful tension that I just adored in the first game because now, oh, well, we don't need Ares because I can just move on my turn. And so in the first, in that first base game, I was like, oh, I have to get Ares or so-and-so has to get Ares and, and we can be willing to fight on that um, and go to the death on that. But now all that tension just like with that one thing just got evaporated because yeah. now they they can just move. And and not only can they just move, but they are at my doorstep at the beginning of the game. So not only can they move, but they can like attack me. Where in the first game, I just felt like you had to really plan out methodically how you were going to approach the game because you're like, okay, this turn I have to get Poseidon because I got to be able to move over water. And this turn I got to get Ares because I got to be able to move those troops or whatever. Um, yeah. And in that second game, I just felt like all of that planning and stuff just kind of went away because you really didn't need Poseidon anymore because you were on this like landlocked continent. Um, and yeah, so I just, well, there were two, there were two big one, islands. So you still needed Poseidon to move. Yeah. Well, across. no, that was in, that was in the two, in the team version. I think in the normal version, there was just one big island. The normal, there were some smaller little like, ones out to the side that had a lot yeah, of resources. Yeah. I guess my only thing was in the base game, if you did not get Poseidon, you're fighting with four or five other people to get Poseidon, you're just not going anywhere. Yeah. And, and so, so you could sit there for four rounds of the game just stuck on one little hex. Well, I don't think you would be stuck anywhere. for four times because the other option is you go get uh, whatever the guy is that gives you money. Um, and then, and so you're, you're not paying for something. They, you know, if you were really fighting for it, they just paid a lot of money for that spot. Um, and so that next turn, you have a lot more power to, um, you know, to go get the one you need or whatever. Yeah. And you're building your economy at the same time. So I, I think for me, and I don't, we actually haven't, I think everyone was just exhausted after that last game that we played. I know I was. Um, and so we didn't really get a, a chance to talk about it. But for me, it's like, I want base game Cyclades. I don't want, I, and like, I think even, even those like side monsters or whatever in the base game can be, that is enough swinginess for me in the oh, game. Because those it, things can be devastating. You go from zero to hero. Yes. Real and quick. And so to me, I think those add arguably too much swinginess, but you know, for the base game, just enough. Uh, and I don't need like, three more expansion modules to make it even more swingy. 
Yeah, I guess because we played it three times now. We played a base game. We played it with Titans competitive, and then we played Titans and team play. And then with that team play, it was three v three. So we went all out. Plus the three v three, I think was fun. Like I, I think team more team games would be fun. And oddly well, enough, I liked like, working. I, I enjoyed the team aspect in that more than some others because everyone is still doing their actions their the same thing. way. Yeah, yeah. Like it didn't change the way we do actions and draw it out. Like all actions were done, bidding was done the same way yeah. as normal. But I mean, you're honestly, you could with almost strategizing. Yeah, you're really just communicating. You could you could have done the team variant in the base game, maybe two v two, not quite three v three. But it's like there really was nothing. Um, you know about Titans that makes it because I think the team variant came with Titans. I may be wrong on that. Probably. Um, but I don't know what about Titans makes it that is team because we really weren't. I mean, it was as if we were playing a normal game and said, "Hey, do you want an unbreakable alliance where we never attack each other?" And then the, that's essentially how essentially the game what it is. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do I enjoy the, to be the setup tip of the spear on that though because I was just blazing through. Yeah, I do enjoy the setup that Titans does where. At the beginning of the game, you kind of bid for certain gods, and they give you kind of a starting yeah, and that, resource in the game. Well, one of the buildings in the game. Yeah, and I don't know if you... I guess you could do that in the base game, um, the variable setup. I do like that, but um, but yeah, you could. I think you could do that without the Titan expansion. I'm not going to push back super hard on you about this. I enjoyed the the flexibility that the Titans gave. It, it, it meant that you could never just get complacent or just feel like you could hole up and know that no one can just touch you at all. Like there's always that threat of something could, if someone was willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money, could make something happen. Yeah. And I enjoyed that feeling like you were still in it if you were willing to pay for it. Okay. So that's enough about Cyclades. I've got a couple. So I'll lump, I've got a couple smaller ones, mm -hmm. um, but I'll lump all three of these in the same category. And that is. The holy trifecta of Blood Rage, Rising Sun, and the newest to the trilogy is Ankh. Um, and these are ones that Steven, and Steven is definitely, for the most part, on the less is more thing. He constantly hounds us over like our big Kickstarters and all of that stuff and how they, you know, oh, well, this game would be so much Steven more fun. Steven sneakily, add... though, he has some expensive games in his collection, though, too. Yeah, well, and he, he does, he did buy like the expansion to Twilight Imperium, which we played. Um, over the cabin trip. And that definitely adds, you know, more. It adds more complicated races, adds, you know, more units and things like that. Um, but, okay, so that's these. And so and for Blood Rage... Are you specifically thinking all, like, the gods expansions for all of them? Yeah, so for Blood Rage, I'll kind of go over. For Blood Rage, it is the gods. I genuinely... How many times have you played with them? Twice, maybe. Yeah. So essentially, um, for those who don't know, what it essentially means is that there's six, seven, eight gods, and they all have special abilities representing the the um, guard, um, the Norse gods. You know, Loki, Heimdall, Odin. Mm -hmm. the, you, and it gives normal a roles is regional you, power. Yeah. So each region has a special it. ability based on where that god is. So the ability may be like uh, um, the defender, the attacker plays their card first, face up, and then defender gets to play that. Or maybe it has to where only monsters count their strength in this battle, or yeah. you. Or uh, the one, the one that is cool is is um, whenever you initiate a battle, 
everyone reveals their battle card one at a time with you revealing last. So yeah. kind of yeah. So there's cool things. And the thing is if you win the combat or you're the one who initiated, you get to choose where it goes next. Yep. And so it gives kind of this moving ability that you can build a little bit of a strategy around. Um, I like it, but I do agree with you. A lot of times people forget yes. to move them. And that's like my big issue is we will get like almost like three turns away from interacting with that thing and somebody will go, oh yeah, I forgot to move that. And we're like, it's almost too yeah, late it's now. It's too late. But then, but it like, they're huge powers, like huge. And so it really could like totally, well, maybe not totally swing a game, but it, it could have a huge Swing impact. a combat. Yeah, swing a combat. single combat. Swing points or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, and like both times we've played, there are multiple times where... Yeah, I think one of them is too, is like if no one dies, if you like lose the combat yeah, or something like that, no like one that. dies. Um, and so those... Uh, and we love Blood Rage, um, and those I think I think that just takes away from the elegance of Blood Rage because like missing those things are like ooh, and it just makes it a little stuttery, a little skippy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely tend to steer away from stuff that is a distraction or things that you're constantly having to remember. I know as soon as you mentioned this is what we want to do for the list and stuff, the game that popped in my mind first and foremost is Anachrony. Okay, that that, that is the epitome one. of everything but the kitchen sink when we're going camping. Yeah, and that is that when um, do you when we play? Do you still have that game? Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you did you have expansions? You did have an expansion to it, right? There was like another some mo modules, thing. modules. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so that one is. I remember that was the first game, and I felt like this when you were explaining um, uh, Kanban to me last night. Is Jacob, you were explaining the game to Jacob. Me and you had already played it two players. And you go, okay. And over here, and Jacob kind of looks up at me and gives me this look like there's more. Yeah. And that was the first time. And Kanban, the, it hit me last night too. You, you were probably like three things away from the end of the explanation. And I was like, there's more to this game. And I, that, when you get to that point, you're like, ugh, like I just kind of lost everything that you've already explained. And yeah. And there's still things in Kanban that I don't understand. Um, but going back to the trilogy, because again, these, um, when they uh, saw the success of Blood Rage, they're like, oh, these people are willing to pay. Like the, it, as many minis as we can come up with, these people are willing to buy them. And so they, they went huge on uh, Rising Sun. They give, um, and again, I, I don't have any problem with the deluxified components of like the um, the action tiles, gold coins, all that kind of stuff. I think that's totally cool. I am certainly willing to pay for those in Kickstarters. But I think the big one is when you're playing Rising Sun and the same thing happens in Ankh, uh, we're, we haven't played as many of those um, as Blood Rage, but you get into those combats and you have to do this list of, okay, so what does this guy do again? Okay, what does this guy do again? Okay, what does mm -hmm. this guy do again? And and what does that power There's do? There's so again? many different powers and abilities yeah. and monsters, and they're all completely different. Yes. And there's no reminders other than the person who that has monster it. belongs yeah. to has to remind you constantly. There. Yeah, and so in Blood Rage, there was only like, there's four big monsters and maybe like five or six small monsters in the base game. Um, and we do, they add a few more in the, depending on whatever expansion you get. Um, but they are almost 
like we know what they all do by this point. Like we know what that fire giant does and we are like, not only do we know, but we're preparing for it from like that first draft. I'm going, okay, who has the fire giant? Cause I've got to be able to, you know, manipulate the board in a way where it's not going to like totally screw me or whatever. And so it's like, we know them so intimately that you're preparing for them throughout the game or like looking for them throughout the game. But I think the one thing too, is those monster abilities are a little more integrated into the base rules of the game. Whereas you're saying rising sun, some of those monster abilities are just very different than any of the intuitive kind of combat mechanics or any other, other rules in the game. This is just something completely different and it's then there's no way of just keeping track of what that ability is. Yeah. Um, so and then, yeah, like there's, there's the, um, we, we, I played with my friends, um, my Knoxville buddies who played rising sun and he had the whole shebang, um, my buddy Kyle, but, and we, he was like, okay, do we want to play with the Kami unbound? And I'm like, no, like those, that's just another whole thing where you're going to be asking, you know, what's this guy do again or whatever. Um, and so how do you feel about that? Are you, are you, when you play these games, are you like, just throw it all in there? I definitely agree with you when it comes to Rising Sun. I, I even though it's cool, they're awesome looking. In theory, they're great, but it is so hard to keep track because there's just a million of these out on the board. And maybe that's a little bit of our fault for putting too many of them in the game. And people obviously love buying them, but especially when you add the Kami Unbound. Essentially, the Kami are are there's four. I think there's three or four gods you can kind of send your priest to. It gives you like a little special extra income or ability. Yeah, but the Kami Unbound. Now they also give you a unique figure that goes out on the board. And the thing is that makes it even worse is that the ownership of those figures are constantly changing every single round of yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, who owns this now? Who controls this? Its location moves every time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's you just will, hard to be... And you will str- forget. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy's mine now. Um, you know. Well, let me do something have, with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So some smaller ones I've got, and you can just give me a thumbs up, thumbs down maybe, or, you know, a, an, an auditory version of that. Um, with these. Uh, so the first one I have really simple, the mind. So the mind is so beautiful and so simple that they came, well, they came out with the mind extreme, Extreme. which added complexity. And to me, my, almost my favorite thing about the mind is its simplicity is its simplicity is that I can deal the cards out before I have given any explanation. And then everyone looks at their card and I say, all right, without communicating, we got to play these in order. And that is it. That three-second explanation is basically all you need to start that game. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think the simplicity of the mind is what makes it so great, and you can bring it into game groups or with family or friends that aren't familiar with the games, but if they can count, they can play the mind. Um, But if you start adding more things into it, uh, you're taking away from the beauty of the simplicity in it. Um, And you might as well just look for a different game. I haven't played the mind extreme. It may be fun. Um, Do you know the premise of the extreme version of the game? Yeah. I already know that there was already a variant and you could play with the base game to where uh, after you beaten the game, playing all the cards face yeah, you up, play blind, blind, yeah, which is crazy. And that's extreme. Um, but the extreme, the actual extreme version is you play with essentially two decks and one of them is going oh, up yeah. and one of them going is going down. down. And that alone, like it's, it's really not that complicated. But it takes that literal three-second explanation and changes it into, like, this five-minute explanation. Yeah, I can play the mind with my mom, dad, and aunt. If I want to, I wouldn't play that with them. Yeah, exactly. So that one is one where, like, I, I heard about a, the mind extreme, yeah. and I was like, this game is 
perfect already. Perfect. I give you a thumbs yeah. up, Brady. Right, I agree up. with that. All right, next one, you're probably going to give me a thumbs down. We're going back to classics. Catan. Oh, I already know it. I will not play Catan without Cities and Knights. See, and this, this is where me and you differ. And I'm ready to throw in Seafarers. Cities and Knights is so, it's not like, it changes it's the not game. big, like complicated, but for me, like everyone knows base Catan. And I'm usually, if I'm playing Catan, I'm usually playing with like, you know, fairly entry level gamers or whatever. I'm not playing yeah. with like you guys usually. And so, to me, it's like if I'm playing Catan, I'm usually playing the base game. And if I'm if someone suggests, oh, we need to throw in cities and knights and whatever, Seafarers, and all this stuff, barbarians like, and traders. There's a million other games at that level of complexity that I would rather play than Catan plus all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, see, I've played it a ton digital online, playing against other people. And all that stuff online, and I love mixing Seafarers and City of the Knights into with Catan, and that's how I play all my games, yeah. uh, Season Knights with Seafarers. So well, I, I can I can live without Seafarers, but base Catan with Cities of the Knights is a bare minimum for me. Really, yeah. See, I would so much rather just play the base game, and I do like every now and then you just got to go back to the to the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and and play some Catan, and I'm totally fine with that. The, I think that one of the greatest tragedies in our hobby. And I see it all the time is when someone's board game collection consists of Catan with 50 different expansions and 50 different versions of it. And, and they don't have like hardly anything else. And I'm like, there's so much more. But are they out happy, there. Brady? You have to ask them, are they happy? No, they're, they, they, they are happy because of their blissful ignorance of what else is out there. <laughs> Hot, Hot take. take. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Okay. So the next one, last one um, is Decrypto. So this oh. one's pretty simple. The expansion yeah. is just. Add, we've played it, I think, maybe twice with the expansion. And basically what it says is it you get like an extra point if you can keep your clue within this other theme. And yeah. to me, that made the game so... The, the Both times we played, it had gone all the way to the end because it gives your team this extra context for what this clue is. It makes is. the game easier. I... I think like it makes the game easier for your team. I think it makes the game harder for the other team because yeah. now you have this even more of of this context for your team that your people can like play off of. And then, yeah, so like both games that we played had gone all the way to the end. And Nobody feel, could guess anything. Do you feel this is a game that is meant to be best going to the end every single time? Uh, I don't know no. if it is. No. Maybe about like two-thirds of the way? Because you... I don't think either team feels accomplished. It's like just, you feel accomplished when you have decoded the other team, and yeah. that or you, or your team was better at guessing your clues. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Like because you can lose the game not because someone else guesses your clues, but if you fail to get your own teammates. Yeah, well, I, I think code. when this game goes to eight or it goes to like I think it's ten rounds. It goes to nine so or ten long. rounds. It, it it starts to overstay its welcome. I think both teams are being like a little stubborn at this point and just being like way too try hard. Um, but yeah, like, and so for me, this one is just base game all the way. I, I think I didn't buy, no, I someone like, bought me the expansion and I was like, Ooh, I'm I think never it's, I like being this. open to be, come up with 
any kind of creative clue you want to get. Yeah, I think exactly. that's the beauty of the game. It like reins you in. Yeah, yeah. It and takes I, and away I understand your freedom. It for, I understand it for some people because I've sat down and played it with some people. They just have a hard time thinking of a clue to give. Like some people, it, it's just it's hard for them to like. I can't focus on a clue. I can't think of what to give. Um, and so I understand that for some people, it, that may help them enjoy the game better. Um, but it's like playing code names, but saying all the clues you give have to fit into this tiny little box on top of fitting these other kind of words. Yeah. Um, that's the part of the beauty of code names is like your knowledge and in infinity is the options you have to choose. Yeah. All right. So that's it for my, um, for my less is more list. So I'm going to give just a quick rundown of games where I do want more, if not just a little bit more. So the okay. first one, Arnak. I know we talked about that. Yep. We want I, um, honestly, asymmetric powers. Right now, if you, I have zero interest in playing Lost Ruins of Arnak when we have so many other games that... Because the thing there's every play, there's nothing new or interesting or that I'm going to learn about the gameplay or anything else of any new plays. Um, a lot of... There's no really that much variety in the game. And so it's like, is playing it again going to give me a different experience or a new memorable experience or a new strategy option? No. And so no. why would I want to play it if it's You know, the same? we did play it uh, recently. I, I have differing, differing opinions than you of Arnak, which we may get into a little bit later. But um, all right, next one, Hadara. Very simple game. I want just a touch more in that game. Just a touch. See, I'm happy where it's at. I think really? it's a good... I think there's a lot of replayability with it, and it's a good level of complexity where it's at. Yeah. I There are two expansions for it, which I haven't tracked down, and it's because I think they add, both of them, just a little bit too much. And there's one, it's not even a, an actual expansion, it's a promo pack that gives you just slight variations in setup. And I think that adds a lot to the, would add just just enough for me. Next one, Quest for Eldorado. I think it's just adding Yes, which there are more expansions. We just haven't yeah. added them in. Yeah, and so there's, I think there's Heroes and Hexes, which add more cards you can draft. And, like, that is all I want in that game. It's just more slight variations on cards. Next one is Zulkin. Um, I would, I, at this point, going back to just the base game of Zulkin would, would feel bad for me. Like, they have the asymmetric player powers and the asymmetric setup. I think just, it's kind of like um, uh, Prelude. Um, and that's my last one is Terraforming Mars. So it's kind of in the middle for me. I would not want to play Terraforming Mars without Prelude because I think you it don't gives play you colonies. so much direction. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm I'm like a little, not little, what is, what's her name? There's a lot of women in the world. <laughs> the one with the bears. Goldilocks. 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 Yeah, yeah. Goldilocks yeah. zone, right, of expansion packs right there. Yeah, um, yep. some board games that I definitely would not want to play without uh, expansion content is uh, definitely Underwater Cities. Um, okay. I love the expansion. We don't even get to play with all the expansion content, Brady, because uh, yeah, some of it you one, don't yeah, like Yeah, I forgot much. about that one. That one is a kind of like Terraforming Mars. There's so many similarities to those. But um, yeah, it's like I like the the uh, rushed start or whatever you call that um, where you kind of get to set up your stuff a little bit, but that extra like mine or museum thing. I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah. So that's definitely one that I wouldn't want to go back to uh, just the base game. Also root. Uh, and I want to always want to play with the extra factions in there. They don't really add yeah. more rules. I thought about putting root in, but it, I kind of knew you would. Yep. 
Um, I love playing with the expansion content for Terra Mystica as well. Uh, I think it adds a lot of new strategy and options for it. Um, so those are two that I definitely would want to make sure that the expansion content is in there. And then I, for me, I know Great Western Trolls is one of my favorite games. I don't know that Rails to the North is a must play. It's a good thing to kind of wow, change things I up. Wow, I am sh- at genuinely shocked that you just said that. We played it. We played it the other night, and we just played base game. It's really still phenomenal. Yeah, I, you weren't there. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. The rails. But to I, like, the north. I like the one it in for mixing it up. Like if we if we are if we played you know two games recently. All right, let's throw in rails to the north to get some variety. But it's not like we have to play with rails to the north every single game. Some games with it. Some yeah, games without it. And Great it. Western Trail is a heavier game, and it, there's I think there's just pro- it's probably just a teensy bit on the heavy side for me but just barely i still love the game and i do agree i think i i would be okay if we never played right whatever rails of the north also well i will probably end with just this because we're running a little over um we'll get to our little head-to-head maybe next week um i'm excited about it but i looked at the like a full-blown comparison between great western trail and uh the um the older version and oh, second you, edition and base. that second edition, that that is money. It looks better in every way, what? and it adds some unique. Have you looked into it? It adds yeah. some small balances to the game. So that's so that's the, the one of the things with Rails to the North adds is the rebalancing Kansas City. Um, second edition changes up the point penalty for Kansas City. You know, if you place your disc there, you lose some points, but you get that extra money. Yeah, it makes it uh, tighter. Well, it makes it more punitive. You only get there. You only get well in the second edition. I think it's the same amount of points you lose, but you only get four money. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Um, for it, um, I don't think it doesn't change anything else up on the board. The artwork is so much better. (laughs) You think so? I do. The cover makes the cover looks like an actual for someone. The cover. No. 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 I agree. The cover. I love the cover, and I'm willing to get the game just for the box cover. I mean, because that literally takes it from an audience of only hardcore gamers would play this to you could actually get some non-gamers to play this oh, maybe yeah. because you're like hey do you like what's what's your one of your favorite games red dead redemption like yeah. that looks the cover makes it look like red epic. dead redemption it makes it look epic game. yes instead of i agree a with boring you. jehovah's witness uh, panel <laughs> <laughs> um i just don't know that i love now it could be different like this is my opinion of the game art from pictures other people have taken of the game and posted online. I haven't actually had the game out in front of me uh, to judge. Um, but I don't know that I love it. It seems flat and pastel-like. I don't feel like... I feel like the cover colors are almost too vibrant for the setting that it's in. Um, the thing is, like, the player... The recessed player boards aren't better than my acrylic overlays, I don't feel like. Well, yeah, but you paid a lot more money for this. Yeah, and so, like, I, I not... Like, but you would so let me say let me say this: if you hadn't have bought the original game and you this was your only option, like would you, pr- like would you, like go out and buy not knowing, like, yeah, 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 like, I'd I buy the these, second edition first. Yeah, 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 okay. not knowing. Um, but thing is, they don't rebalance any of the auxiliary actions. Like, there's no like they do add more buildings. That's pretty dope. Yeah, but that but as far as like the board, there's no there's no changes to the routes. There's I really wanted them to change up some of the auxiliary actions on your player board. So the player boards are is, is exactly identical. The map is the same um, as the first edition if you're playing with Rails of the North. 
Um, I'm surprised they didn't include the rails to the north in that as kind of a module. You know, yeah, it. a different, like a different, um, just on the reverse side of the board, like a different map route would be. Would I think would have been, really been cool. an easy to do is a double sided board. Uh, you of course, keep, they they I, we say that, but they're probably going to be doing that with the trilogy. That's or the trilogy, whatever. right? Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's exactly what they were going to do. Because my initial thought, second edition, okay, have like kind of like with the Gizia with the Kickstarter edition. The one side of it is the original OG Great Western Trail. The other side is kind of like a different layout of the trail and the or action two player, three player or whatever yeah, yeah great western trail but we're in a different part of the country but that's yeah. that's what they're gonna be doing with the expansions in new zealand yeah. and uh where south another south american country argentina uh, argentina which but another <laughs> new zealand's not a south american country <laughs> um but i'm very curious to see um if it's just going to be a map difference or if they're going to be some mechanical difference. i am i'm ready to hurt very some curious about this very curious because the mechanical it's just such a beautiful design with the mechanics, the Rondell worker placement, the upgrade your engine. I called dibs on the New Zealand expansion. What do you I, mean dibs? I'm like buying I, them all. No, 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 no. I'm buying the New Zealand one. I'm buying them all. You can buy it too, but. But here's the thing. I've been to New Zealand and that is just the perfect setting for this. If you're, we're going to herd little sheep across New Zealand. Ugh. It's and it, like I've been to New Zealand and the whole country is like driving through beautiful. the Shire. You know, um, it'd be hilarious. Rolling hills with little sheep dotted all over them. It's if amazing. The, if they, it would be awesome if they did like you know in Scythe how there's like little Easter eggs in the art on yes. the boards of the game of Scythe. Oh, they did they that in little, the Great Western Trail. Had little hobbits. Yeah, <laughs> or little, <laughs> little goblins. Sh- little shire in the corner. Yeah, or that'd be that'd be really cool. Um, you're but, kicking. You're instead of bandits. You're like I'm gonna look in orc camps. David and I are going to pack some plugged. Not this coming weekend, but the weekend after next. Um, and if second edition is there, I'll pick it up. Like, oh, I need that's one thing I need it to borrow from Gen you. It was Gen Con, right? It should have been, or at least at Essen. Um, I need to borrow your board game backpack. Uh, I bore, I have bags for board games, but I don't have any that I have like straps for backpacks so that I can walk around the, the oh, yeah, expo hall. Cool. This 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 uh, con is gonna make or break because like I I. I've never been to a board game convention. I know. Um, I'm excited for you. You're going to be a real gamer. It's not the same as like a Dice Tower Cruise convention or nothing like that because these are, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to see the des- designers and publishers for these companies for games that I like. I'm not going yeah. to hear someone pitch me on the newest Kitchen Rush game. Like for me, what I'm excited yeah. about is talking. What would be cool is like for you, especially because I know this, we went to Gen Con and got a couple of these, but it's like when you, if you can get Great Western Trail, Signed by the designer or whatever. Yeah, or some other stuff cool. like that. Uh, I'd even be willing to buy a copy of the game that I already have to get it signed. But I'm I'm more interested in talking to publishers, designers. Even if it's just a hi, how are you doing? I'm a fan. Love your work. I don't need to. I don't need to do anything weird or creepy with them. Okay, like some of these fans <laughs> do with celebrities. I don't need any are that. You, but you're like, not gonna stand there I don't. I'm not. I don't want to go and it's just some of the sales reps for these companies are just trying to sell me their games and tell me why I need to buy this newest greatest version of Azul. Yeah. yeah. But so, um, and then I'm curious to getting hands on some games that haven't come out yet or some new releases or first release at PAX. Um, And then I'm hoping they haven't released a schedule for any exhibition kind of like um, speakers. But I know in the past, you know, they usually will have different uh, influencers in the board gaming space do different like talks or do symposium type stuff. Um, I know like Cole Worley, I think has done those in the past and some yeah, other yeah. designers and publishers well, you're, you're or commentators. You're really going to be nerding it up up there. So that's to me, I, that's the experience I want. I don't need to go and 
buy some game I could buy online or at the store right now, or I don't need to be going just to see a play test or something I don't care about. For me, like the reason why I want to go to the Dice Tower, so many of the Dice Tower things is because I feel like there is less of an emphasis on like the salesiness of it and more of like actually playing games, especially with the crews. It's like they're really, I think there's some reppy type of people out there, but for the most part, it is just be on a big boat. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not even that worried about getting games played like i'm sure we will or maybe sit down to play test something new that we're excited david and i are excited about but like i'm not really focused on playing games as much as like interacting with influence that sounds weird but like designers publishers and then sitting in on some different talks and some different stuff like yeah. that well and then buying i'm some fun excited games. for you i we're doing the nice hour so i just hope i'm not disappointed so i'm not doing packs unplugged but i am looking now forward dice to- tower cruise that is a Play till we drop. Hang out with yeah, Tom and yeah, the gang. Yeah. yeah, see that's that's a whole different experience. And that's I want to get a play in with with Tom and Z and the guys. And I hope Sam Healy is out there. Rip Sam. I miss him so much. I've been watching some of the older. We videos. know we need to do uh uh going leading up into the dice hour is is cruise is like top ten games we want to play with the different personalities of yeah, the yeah. like so our top ten games to play with Tom or Z or any of the other personalities there yeah, yeah, uh, would be, be fun. fun. How how likely is it to be able to actually sit down and play with them on the boat? Because there's a lot of people there, right? Yeah, but we're on a boat with them for like seven days, so <laughs> that'd be cool. Uh, chances that'd are cool. chances are a little high. All right, well, I'm excited for it. There's a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. We still got more board game reviews for from some of our recent yeah. hauls and stuff. I'm really excited for you to play New Frontiers because um, I think it'll change. Yeah. It's it plays super fast, 45 minutes, a three player game, a uh, really cool little engine building. Um, and so I think you really yeah, get like a lot it. of stuff in the pipeline. I'm excited. I'm just hoping that I'm not, and we're coming up in the holiday season. I'm going to be out of classes here pretty soon. So hopefully we can get some more stuff going. I mean, you have some free time. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. Um, as always, thank you for tuning in. My name is Matthew. I'm Brady. And this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase. phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Discussion Phase. If you enjoy our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at the Discussion Phase for new reviews and posts. You can also join in on the discussion. Let us know what you think and any comments and send that to discussionphase at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody.